sharing with us tonight. We're going to look at Luke chapter 2 tonight. I don't know of any Christmas season that's complete without Luke chapter 2. It's one that so many of our Christmas carols come from. And so we're going to take a look at Luke chapter 2. And I appreciate the fact that several of you have gotten the New American Standard Version so you can follow me as I read and as I preach. But I'm not going to read it out of that version tonight. (laughs) Uh, You have to go back to the King James Version whenever I read this. And there's a reason for that. I first came across this passage when I was in grade 6. We, in our school district, had a series of one-room schoolhouses, two grades in each one. And then as we approached grade five, they started consolidating with a larger school district. And so grade six and seven was put into one classroom before that process was complete. And I still remember early in November, Miss May, the terror of the teaching profession getting up and saying, we're going to memorize Luke chapter two, verses one through 20, between now and Christmas. Not only were we going to memorize it, but every student had to stand up in front of the class and recite it. Now, I sometimes wish Miss May was still around. Uh, My wife requires the ladies to do memory work, and she gets a lot of complaints. (laughs) We can't do that. You didn't complain with Miss May. Uh, She didn't know how to take no for an answer. If she said you were going to do it, you might as well just buckle down and do it because you were going to do it. And so that's where I learned it. Even before I became a Christian, I learned uh, Luke chapter 2 here. So looking at the King James, we read, It came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. This taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. All went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. She brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there were no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. The angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. This shall be a sign unto you, you shall find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the angels have made known unto us. They came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Tonight, We celebrate the birth of the Christ child, of the coming of Jesus Christ into the world in which we live. We have been looking at the Advent season at, first of all, a message, a celebration of hope. Hope about 
better future, of a glorious day awaiting us. We went from there as a result of hope to peace, peace that all of us can experience if we are willing to put our faith and trust in the Christ child. We then had a celebration of joy as we recognized all that he has done for us and and what he is doing in our life. And then yesterday we celebrated his love for us. Tonight we light the fifth candle, which is known as the Christ candle. And as we light that candle, all of the Advent is centered in him. Our hope, our peace, our joy, our love, all comes as a result of the fact that Jesus Christ came into this world. Some of you have that pin or a T-shirt, possibly with the words on it, that says, Jesus is the reason for the season. And that is so true. I don't want anybody wishing me happy holidays. It's Merry Christmas. This is the day that Christ, that we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. We don't need a winter holiday as it's now looked at. We don't need a Santa Claus. He and he alone is our reason to celebrate. He is the one that we remember today. The Old Testament saints lived with the expectation that the Messiah was coming. To them, the Advent spoke of the four candles that we already looked at. It spoke of hope and peace and joy and love, and we've looked at that the last four weeks. And they have become reality because Christ came into the world today. He stepped out of glory for a time for us. Many in the Old Testament days And in the first century, we were looking for a Messiah, but not a Savior. They were looking for somebody that would deliver them from the bondage of Rome, that that would restore the kingdom of David, that would rule the world with a rod of iron and would bring peace into the world. We, too, look forward to a coming king. Not just any king, but the king of kings and the Lord of lords. But... Before the hope of Israel could ever be realized, he had to come as a child. He had to go to the cross so that we could have eternal life. Without the cross, their hope was hopeless. Without the cross, their joy was just temporary. Without the cross, that love would not have lasted there. And so we have the two comings. They had a time of Advent as they looked forward to the coming of the Messiah We also celebrate in Advent because we're looking forward to the coming of the Messiah. Not as a little baby now, but as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You ever wonder why two comings? Why the long wait in between? There's an interesting story that follows the first 20 verses of of Luke chapter 2. It's the story of Jesus being taken to the temple to be circumcised on the eighth day according to the Old Testament law. And then 40 days later, Mary and Joseph bring the little baby back to the temple with a sacrifice, two little turtle doves. They were a very poor family. That was the the most that they could afford to do. That was the least that, that they could do. And they came, and as they came into the temple, they're met by Simeon, an old priest, Simeon had served in the priesthood for many years. But if you recall, in the priesthood, you were only allowed to serve from age 25 to age 50. And then you retired. I kind of like that system. I almost wish we did it today. 
but uh, they didn't stop serving. Uh, in the Psalms, I think it's 134, it celebrates those who served by night in the t- temple and so forth. Uh, they were responsible to come and assist those who were serving as priests within the temple. They would help with the sacrifices. They would help walk them through some of the, the difficult passages. And so, so it wasn't a, a full retirement as, as we sometimes think of it there. They had their responsibilities and they were often in the temple serving, and, and uh, one of the areas that they could serve in was when someone brought a baby to be dedicated. That They could go take the, the parents through that process. So Simeon was involved in that, and yet, as he was doing that, he had a hope. In verse 26, it said, It was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ, before he had seen the Messiah. He had had that promise given to him by the Spirit of God. And so, though he was an old man at the time, he was waiting day after day, looking for the coming of the Messiah, recognizing that he would come in the form of a little baby. He was there to to meet the parents that came into the temple there. Notice as he becomes aware of Mary and Joseph and the little baby and recognizes that this is the one that God has promised there. Notice what he says in verse 29. He said, Lord, now let thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of the people of Israel. Now, I have a feeling at that point in time, Mary and Joseph were a little bit perplexed. What, what is this man saying? What, what, what's happening here? We, we just brought this little baby to the temple to offer the sacrifice, and now he's being prophesied over here. What was Simeon saying through the Spirit of God? I, I like what he says in the beginning, now let me depart in peace. He was about to die. He, he, was, he recognized that, that his time on earth was short. Uh, he was getting older each day, and uh, the Lord had revealed to him that he would live just long enough to see the Messiah. And so as he makes that pronouncement there, uh, here in front of his eyes was the fulfillment of all the promises and the dreams and the hopes of Israel. And you'd think he'd want to say, Lord, can I live another 20 years to see this this little baby become a man and, and move into the, the kingdom and establish the kingdom. No, that's, that wasn't in his thinking and, and in his mind here. He realized, though, that all the promises and dreams and the hopes of Israel was in front of him here. But as he said those words, his faith, his hope, was rooted not in this world, but in eternity. He looked beyond today to what the future held as far as the hope of eternal life. And notice, it wasn't just Israel that he had in mind here. Yes, Israel was going to be blessed because the Messiah came through the nation of Israel, and someday he's going to come and and reestablish the throne of David. But notice he also includes the Gentiles here. He said he is a light to the Gentiles as well. God's original desire. And one that we see throughout the scripture was that all men come 
to repentance, not just Israel. Uh, I realize when you read the Old Testament, you're reading the story primarily of the family of Abraham, Jacob, Isaac, and, and the Israelites. But that wasn't the sum total of God's working in the world. You get glimpses of how he was working in other people and other lives. I, I, I think of uh, Melchizedek. He was not a descendant of Abraham. Priest of the Most High God, King of Jerusalem. Where did he learn about God? What did he know about God? He, he became a forerunner of, of Jesus Christ, and yet he was a, a Gentile. Uh, there was Job, a contemporary probably of Abraham, but not a descendant of Abraham, had a tremendous relationship with God. He was a righteous man. He, he was blameless in all his ways. There was, uh, oh, you want to get a little closer to home, there was Rahab the harlot. Uh, we, we find it hard to identify, don't we, with Melchizedek and, and even with Job. But uh, some of these sinners, that, that's a different question. We, we, we all recognize that, that we have sinned there. Uh, she was a Canaanite. And yet God reached down somehow and saved her, touched her life, brought her into the family of God. There, there was uh, Ruth, the Moabite, desperate situation, and yet God met her. Uh, Naaman the leper from Syria, and on and on it goes. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. In in Second Peter chapter three, we read in verse nine that God is not willing that any should perish. His desire is that all come to repentance. And the good news of the Christmas season is, as one songwriter's put it, joy to some, no joy to the world. It's for everybody. It, it's for you and I. It's, it's for everybody. We have that offer of hope held out to us today. And so having seen that, verse 29, he says, Lord, I'm ready to go. Let me depart in peace. His hope was rooted in eternity. And I trust that your hope today is not in this world. I trust that your hope is not in the political system that we have if it is, you're probably going to be sadly disappointed. We uh, 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 appreciate godly individuals that serve in government positions, but unfortunately, they're not all godly. And we suffer some of the consequences of that and of, of their decisions. Uh, I hope your hope and trust isn't rooted in your own ability today in what you're able to accomplish, because sooner or later... I hate to say it, but sooner or later, old age catches up to all of us, doesn't it? And we begin to wear out and run down, and we can't do all that we used to do and so forth. Our hope has to be rooted in something bigger and greater than ourselves. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians fifteen nineteen wrote, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable, most to be pitied there. But then he goes on to say, that little word, but. But now Christ is risen from the dead. And that makes all the difference for us today. We may go through trials. We may go through struggles. We may have hardship in this life. But someday we're going to be with Christ in eternity. He has given us that hope. He has given us that sense of uh, joy as we look forward to the future. The Apostle Paul in First Corinthians one or in Philippians one said, it, you know, he said it doesn't matter whether I live or die as long as God is glorified. 
And then he goes on to, to share with him. He said, you know, he said, I'm, I don't know which way to go here. He said, I, in a straight between two, whether to stay here or whether to depart. He said, you know, if I had my way, I'd go home to glory. I, I'd leave this world and all, all that it has. I, I would leave it and go home to be with Christ in glory. But it wasn't God's will at that point. So he was willing to stay. He said, the only thing that was really important was that God be glorified through his life. And I think we need that attitude as we walk through this world. As we celebrate the Advent season, we have so much to celebrate. We have a hope. We have a hope for a glorious future. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I'll come again and receive you unto myself. As we mentioned Sunday, we don't even begin to comprehend what heaven is really going to be like. It's going to be something far greater than what we can even begin to imagine today. I don't care how wild imagination you have. You cannot come up to the measure up to what heaven holds for us in the future there. Ours is the hope of glory. He said, I'll, I'll share my glory with you. You will enter into that, that glory. And then today, because of that hope, we can enjoy peace. A peace, he said, that passes understanding. It doesn't matter what's going on out there in the world. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are. We can have peace in our heart. Why? Because Jesus Christ is on the throne. Jesus Christ is still Lord. Jesus Christ is, is in control of everything that touches our life. And if we truly believe that, then we have a reason to rejoice. We can have joy in the midst of the suffering and the trials of life. We can rejoice in the fact that we belong to him and he is Lord today. And it all comes because he loves us. He loves us. What a tremendous blessing and, and privilege that is. Just think, the Lord of the universe, the one who has created it all, loves you. Ever wrestle with the question of love? You ever feel like nobody really cares? No, nobody uh, loves you, appreciates you as you are and so forth? God does. He sent his son into the world to die for you. That's the measure of his love to you. And so tonight we celebrate the second advent. We're looking for the coming of the Messiah, the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And as one writer has put it, look up, your redemption draweth nigh. It could very well be that this coming year will be the year that we hear the trumpet call, that we're ushered into his presence, that we're called home to be with him in glory. But even if we don't, we can still experience hope and peace and joy and love. Because in reality, the Messiah is on the throne today. He is Lord today. Uh, we're not going to make him Lord. He is Lord. And we can acknowledge that fact or we can reject that fact, but it doesn't change the fact that, that he is Lord today. And so this Christmas season, reflect on the fact that you are loved. Because you are loved, you have hope for a glorious tomorrow. Because you are loved, you can experience peace in spite of the circumstances. And because you are loved, you can rejoice in the Lord. It, the Psalms, Psalm 1611 says, In his presence there is fullness of joy. 
At his right hand are our pleasures forevermore. We can experience a measure of that joy today because Jesus Christ is coming again. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we just want to stop and say thank you for the privilege of celebrating Christmas. We don't know if this is the time when Christ was born or what time of year it was. The important fact is he was. He did enter into our world. He came for us. And so we want to celebrate the love that was demonstrated in that very act of leaving glory, leaving all that he had in heaven and coming into a sin-darkened world for us. We want to celebrate the hope that you have brought to us. Even though sometimes it seems so hopeless out there in the world, we have the hope of a glorious tomorrow. Thank you for the peace that you've made possible. Being justified by faith, we have peace with you. We thank you for that today. And thank you, Father, that we have joy, that we can truly sing joy to the world because you've come and you are coming again to bring that joy with you. And so we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we have another special, Ginger and Marianne.